Hey friends, and welcome to another edition of the Dream Nation Love Podcast. I'm your host, Yulia, and today on the show, I interview Kara Golden, who is the founder and CEO of Hint Inc., best known for its delicious, unsweetened, flavored water. She's been named one of InStyle's Badass 50, Fast Company's Most Creative People in Business, and Fortune's Most Powerful Women Entrepreneurs. This woman is a powerhouse. Kara also hosts her own podcast called Unstoppable with Kara Golden, where she interviews entrepreneurs. She's also a mother of four, which is super inspiring on its own. And on the show, we talk about her new book, Undaunted, Overcoming Doubts and Doubters. And Kara is unstoppable, and she's definitely undaunted. So I'm so excited to talk to her about this book. It's a must-read for anyone determined to live their dream, filled with insights, advice, and observations that will inspire you to just go for it. Kara certainly goes for it. This conversation was super refreshing, just like her water. Enjoy the show and share it with a friend. Have a great day. Kara, thank you so much for being on the show. And I see you're drinking Hint Water, which is like so on brand. <laughs> yeah. I have plenty of hints over here. I, I've run out before. I have like five of them on my table over here because I'll like run out in the middle of an interview and because I just drink so much water. And, uh, and so now I always like restock the morning of like, I always have five or six of them on my table throughout the day. I love it. And I love that you're expanding the category that now you're doing deodorants. I still haven't tried it, but I'm obsessed with finding the perfect oh, deodorant. Awesome, for sure. It's amazing. Yeah. And the sunscreen because I'm, I'm also like organic and I'm vegan. So I'm very cautious about what's in everything, especially sunscreen because sunscreen is just so bad for you in general. So I haven't been, <laughs> I haven't been in the sun this summer. <laughs> I know. <it's> crazy. <laughs> But I, I am determined to like go to a beach under an umbrella and I'm determined to find your sunscreen and, um, and your deodorant. And I'm very excited to try the brands because yeah, totally. they're amazing brands. And uh, uh, thank you. Well, I, yeah, we'll definitely get you some. So we'll exchange oh, afterwards. So. <laughs> I'll find it. I'm sure I can find it. I'm like, you're like everywhere now. You're in Costco, I think, right? You have distribution. So with the water, I mean, our main, um, you know, product is what we started with, which is water. We're now the uh, largest um, and fastest growing unsweetened flavored water in the U.S. today. So we just went into Costco, actually kind of a crazy story in and of itself. Um, during COVID, we got a phone call from them at the end of August and we went national um, with Costco, um, you know, they, primarily because they they had heard from us and not really as a specific selling point, but more as we had, you know, our like sales deck when we've gone out to Costco over the years has been like, Oh, and by the way, we make everything in the U S and we really viewed it as, you know, primary, I mean, first of all, factual, but second, like, you know, why we can do things pretty fast. Like we don't have to wait for weeks and weeks for something like cans to get here from Asia or whatever. And so um, that was like something that they had picked up on and were looking for a U.S. brand that really did everything here. And much to my surprise, it was actually really challenging um, mm -hmm. for them to find that because that's not the case for like a lot of beverage brands. So anyway, we went national in the middle of COVID, um, and, you know, I know it was, it was pretty crazy. But that's amazing. Um, it really is amazing. And it's like, again, it's like your dream, right? Like, you just don't know how big it's going to get and you don't know when it's going to hit. But I think if you, if you have that intention in, inside, like that intention is going to lead you to whatever you're doing. It's just totally. like, it's like have that intention and just be flexible and, and just pivot. And then, and then connect with people, right? Like you said, your sales deck was there, just connecting with people and going, this is what I do. This is the product that I have. This is how I can help and just being of service. But um, when you were growing up as a little kid, what was your dream as a kid? Were you like, I'm going to have an empire, an indie empire? <laughs> you know, it's funny. I think that the key thing that I found you know, it's always easier to think back on these things. I always, I, I was the last of five kids. So I like viewed my 
my brothers and sisters, I had two sisters, two sisters, two brothers, but we almost had like two families. It was all the same parents, but my, my, I have a brother and sister that are 15 and 16 years older than me. And then my parents stopped and then stopped having kids. And then for some reason they decided like 10 years later to have my brother and then my sister and then me like boom, boom, boom. And so I viewed like the world as like they had lots of things because they had jobs. Like they were off, you know, having like little miniature companies. My brother, my oldest brother had like a painting company during the summer. And so he would always, you know, just like talk to me about what he was doing with the painting companies or right over here at dinner or whatever. And I was just like, Oh, well, you know, I, I may only be six years old, but why can't I start a company? Like, and so I was always thinking like, I think in many ways that I, you know, I wished I was older, right? Like I, I just was always like, you know, put me in the game. Like, why can't I do this? Everything. I mean, for, you know, even for sports, like I would be like, you know, why are there ages? Like, why isn't it based on, you know, what people can actually accomplish? Like I was just, I was always like trying to figure out, you know, why are there so many lines in the road and, you know, and we can't just sort of like do things and, you know, and always asking why, always like, you know, very curious, very inquisitive and in some ways, probably not specifically dreaming. I mean, I think for me, I just always was trying new things. My dad had a rule in our house that we always had to be playing a sport and that could mean like, I mean, I, I was a gymnast. That was kind of my thing um, growing up. But, but you know, I tried everything. I mean, I was, I was also a runner. Um, I was constantly, like, competing in, you know, tournaments. But, or I was doing ballet or I was doing softball or whatever. And so I feel like that was, for me, um, you know, a place where I just tried constantly. Like, I... You know, with my book coming out, it's it's a lot of what I talk about. I mean, it's, my book is primarily the building of hint, but it's also, you know, sort of goes back to things in my life that I, you know, talk about as as like my journey and, and lessons learned. And so it's a lot about, you know, it's got some autobiography to it, but also some self-development where, you know, I talk about the importance of like, where I learned about teamwork was in team sports. And like, I was okay with not being like, you know, the best one I, I was accepting, but I wanted the best people on my team. So I'd sort of like try and recruit, you know, from people that I knew like would just like go do it. So we ultimately would win. Like I had this concept of like, you know, which is, which is kind of, you know, like it's counter to the way that a lot of kids like think about things. Like I was less concerned about winning first place. I was more interested in like getting a group together. Cause I knew that I liked a lot of these team sports, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think there's just, there's so many lessons in life where, you know, one thing that I sort of talk about in this book is, um, and actually Cheryl Sandberg, um, reviewed the book early and she said to me, you know, this book is really about, you know, your curiosity and your tenacity, but also about, you know, one's journey. And if we didn't know the word failure, what would we go do? And so I think that ties into your question about dreams too. I didn't have one specific one though I had this like ambition to go and try a lot of things. And that was, you know, that was, that was Kara as a little thing. Well, it sounds like you also like putting people together, which, which is a skill that you need when you build a company, right? You're like, I want the best people on my team. I want these people to get along. I want them to enjoy work. And uh, it's really great to get that experience as a kid. Because then when you grow up, you really understand the dynamics. You're like, it's not about me, right? It's not about me. It's about how well we do as a team. And it's about all of us winning together. And sometimes, like, I'm a creative director in advertising sometimes. And sometimes I'm having an off moment. Like, sometimes I'm not nailing all the ideas. And I'm very, very competitive. But 
I am like, okay, I have the best team. I have the best team and I rely on them to get ideas. And you have to just kind of let it go because yeah. Babe Ruth, Babe Ruth didn't hit a hundred percent of the balls. Like he just, it's impossible. Uh, no, and I that's just, a great analogy. Yeah, no, I mean, know? it's true. It's and, true. And, and sometimes it don't come to you, right? Those ideas. But it's, it's like, you kind of like, give yourself like a time to breathe and you go, okay, that's fine. Like I have an awesome team and I just have to guide them to the goal and that's okay. And we're going to get there. And, uh, and I love that because the dreams that we have as a kid, they end up guiding us to wherever we are. Like, it's just, it's like putting that intention in there, you know, like it's, you never no, know. It's, it's so true. And I feel like I've always been, I mean, I, I drove my, my, parents crazy as a kid because I would always be asking them why like I I always wanted to I was you know everybody knows that kid that was me like I was constantly like why 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 and you know my dad would just like sit here and like he would say Kara some days like you just have to have a lot of patience and I'm like why you know like you know it's not like I'm asking questions and I still think like I mean I think that a lot of today my success has been because i had the courage to ask why and that i wasn't you know like i mean sure at times it, it was really annoying especially to my parents and to teachers and whatever but i feel like i for my entire life have had this need to be educated right and sort of understand like, you know, why do I have migraines and why? And, and I think even through the journey of Hint, I feel, I feel like that's been the most exciting piece of this too, that, you know, I, I mean, when people say to me, oh, what's it like being a beverage executive? I'm like, is that what I do? Because I get to talk to, you know, not only, you know, people in the beverage industry, but also doctors and lots of other people who are really tied into health. And, and, you know, I've been able to do things. I'm working on a huge initiative in Washington right now around cleaning up our water supply and like the effects of, you know, things like PFAS and lead in water and how, you know, people just don't really realize like the, the regulations or the limited regulations around this kind of stuff. And again, because I've learned so much about water, then it, just from bottling hint, I'm able to really, you know, go to Congress, hopefully, uh, hopefully within the next year and basically say like, you know, why? Like, why aren't we doing more? And, and so those whys will one day turn into a positive, hopefully, where, you know, it's like, if I didn't have the courage to go and sort of do that, right? If somebody would have, you know, shut me up along the way and said, no, you can no longer say that, then I, I wouldn't have been able to do so many things that I do today. Well, water is so important. It is like, it's, it's just like oxygen. There's water and there's clean water and, and there's oxygen. And I actually, I'm working on a podcast with uh, the mayor of Flint. I was working on a podcast with a previous oh. mayor of Lit, Flint, but then like there was some kind of a scandal and she just like disappeared. <laughs> there was some money scandal. So now oh, there's- wow. there. You and I should really talk about this because, <laughs> because the stuff that I'm working on right now is very relevant. Um, yeah. I do just a lot of activism. Like I grew up with, in Russia with like no running water. So I'm like, how do we not have running water in America? So like, I just, I dabble in 3000 things. Like I just, I have my, like, you know, I, I'm like, whatever. So I have like a podcast with Flint coming up, but also I've been, um, really trying to figure out what I can do for the, um, reservations for the Navajo reservations, because they're suffering from COVID because they have no running water in some places. And same with Detroit, Detroit, a lot of places have no running water. And if you don't pay your bill, your water gets cut off. So like have you seen that video <sighs> that has gone out, um, about the, about the Indian reservations in Arizona. Mm -hmm. No, but my, my, uh, my partner is native. So I'm like kind of involved in like native stuff. I'm all over the place, but, uh, but I yeah, think I'll, I'll share it with I, you. I, I grew up in Arizona. Oh, you did? So, yeah. And, and so actually my brother-in-law sent it to me and, you know, knowing that I'm, uh, that I'm a 
water executive, right? And and yeah. sent it over to me. And um, it's it, there's it, it was the story about a woman who basically travels. Um, I think it's like a hundred miles every day it, to go and get these tanks of water to bring back to people who don't have any running water. You haven't seen this? No, I haven't seen it. Oh, it's this, it's this amazing segment. And um, anyway, what was, what was really interesting is I think Ireland, like Dublin, gave her a grant. It was this bizarre story, like where they like were like a sister, like basically it was a group that really came from, you know, the like ancestors came from the potato famine. It was just, anyway, I'll send it to you. It was just this crazy, crazy story and where they ultimately got money from. I mean, that's a story in and of itself, but it's, um, it's really, it, it's fascinating. I just tweeted this out yesterday because, you know, what's really scary, you know, this whole clean water initiative that I'm working on you know, the Native American lands in 13 states are have some of the highest incidence of COVID, but they also have some of the highest incidences of PFAS in their water. And so this is this whole conversation that's going on in Detroit. Do you know about PFAS? It's PFAS. It's a it's there was a whole movie about PFAS last December called Dark Waters that talked oh, a lot about it. Yes. Right. And so a lot of the reason why, you know, the Native American reservations have shut off um, the water supply is because it's contaminated um, with PFAS and, and other stuff. And so, um, but what's interesting is there's some research in the last couple of weeks and there's a bill that's sitting in Congress right now, hopefully getting funded um, to actually do some more research on it. But a few universities have tied um, correlation of PFAS in blood to people who have had COVID and have not been able to develop antibodies. And so, yeah. And so really, really interesting. And, you know, under autopsy too. Yeah, so you should look this up. It's really fascinating. And so in, the initial thinking is that maybe there's, um, that, you know, maybe it's tied to the fact that, you know, these areas um, are, you know, inner city, poorer areas. And so, you know, it's not really the PFAS at all. It's just they're, you know, they live too close together, you know, socioeconomic, like whatever. But, um, but I don't know. I, I think it's really fascinating. And I actually wow. tweeted this whole thing out yesterday saying, like, the problem with our society today is that we live like in these silos where, you know, we're, where, you know, we've got like water and PFAS and issues in the water. And then over here, we've got, oh, lots of COVID. Oh, like who's marrying these two things together, right? And again- You are, not, you are, it's up to yeah, you. But, I, but I'm not, you know, I'm not a doctor, but like, should the NIH be like, should the CDC be marrying these two, you know, thoughts together? It's like, it's, we live in a society where there's lots of data and, and why aren't, you know, the most brilliant minds around data actually taking these two things and saying, you know, is it, is it coincidence or is there actually a correlation? And so that's the kind of stuff that I'm having conversations in Congress right now um, around this and hoping to ultimately, you know, take a bill to Congress. Um, anyway, so that, that is what's going on. And I can, give you more information on that as, as they develop, but it's very, you know, most people think of uh, dirty water today and unclean water as, you know, Flint, Michigan, but what they don't realize is that, you know, nobody showed up to actually from the federal government to ultimately, you know, make it better after the state said we don't have any money to sort of fix this. And so it's, um, I know a lot about, you know, these different communities and these different states and some of the issues that are going on and, and also, you know, what's going on in Congress right now around it. So 
Um, so keep me posted as you're having these conversations because definitely, um, you know, it could be stuff that I may have updates along the way as well. I definitely will. You know, sometimes it's cross-pollination. Like, we're all like, how come people aren't working on it? But sometimes somebody's working on this and somebody's working on this and they're not seeing the correlation because they're in their own bubbles sometimes. Or I don't know. I don't, you know, like, who knows how the federal government works at this point. But, you know, oh. what, like, what it does take is having a person go, hey, I'm noticing this. Can somebody look into this? And then you get more people and you amplify the voice. And this is what we're doing on a podcast too, going, hey, somebody should be looking into this. You know? Yeah. Well, like, and the positive thing about this, I'll just say one more thing, is that because COVID is so top of mind right now, there are some senators and representatives that are actually hearing about these ties of covid um, to PFAS in particular. And so if, um, you know, there, there are some bills out there asking uh, for research money to actually dig in deeper um, to see if somebody can really look at this. Because if we look at, you know, as a society, as a society if there are higher clusters where we, you know, we know where the PFAS is on the map and, you know, it definitely is on the Native American reservations as well. And if we know that they're there and that, or that the PFAS is there and that the COVID is there, like we should be researching it. In a perfect world, we get in there and we clean it up. We, you know, we clean up the problem. But unfortunately, the problem with water today is that it's run by states and then at the, and then it's run by cities. And so it's ultimately, you know, the governor that has the power to clean up the water supply. And then if the state does not have the money, which is often the case to, you know, it starts with the city not having the money and then the state doesn't have the money. They have the ability to raise their hand, which is what happened in Michigan and say, we don't have the money to help you know, Flint, and we're asking for federal aid, and um, and federal aid didn't show up for, and that is the reality. And same thing happened in Newark, and same yes. thing, and it's happening in these clusters. But people, you know, the average you and me don't hear about these problems, and you know, and it's just it's incredibly sad. And you know, we also see it. Um, you know, in, in cancer rates and the types of cancer that are showing up and which are, you know, oftentimes tied to this PFAS. And so, so anyway, it's all wellness. It's all wellness. What we drink, what we breathe, what we eat, it's all going into our bodies. Yeah. And, and that's what I tell people too, that, you know, I think somewhere, look, if you can ultimately do something to help people. Like some people have asked me, you know, in past interviews, like what keeps you going and, you know, what keeps you going from a business standpoint? I mean, obviously, you know, I'm a competitive person, higher revenues, you know, people buying the product, but ultimately it's the customer and it's the customer feedback saying, you know, your product changed my life. Like I never used to drink water. I, you know, started drinking your product and realized that diet sweeteners weren't great for me. Or I used to be addicted to sugar and, you know, I tried to drink plain water, but it was so boring. And then I started drinking Hint, which is unsweetened flavored water and realized that that's really what I needed. I needed something that just tasted better, which was my story. And, um, and so, you know, that all, most of the time they actually say the word help, but even if they don't say the word help in, in there, they're sort of alluding to the fact that I like did something that they, that makes them feel better. Right. And so it's the same thing with, you know, these activities that I'm working on in Washington, or if I can actually help in some way, I mean, that's a really powerful like commitment and feeling, you know, that you get as a human. Right. And so I think that that's just, you know, anybody, whether you volunteer or, you know, take on, you know, a health issue um, in a private company like ours or for profit company like ours. I think it's just an important aspect. 
Well, it's what drives you, right? It's what gets you up in the morning. It's like, you can, it's, there's nothing like owning your own business and then helping to change lives. Cause at the end of the day, that's what you're doing. You're making somebody happy. Yeah. And, and I, you know, I think it's when I started hint, I mean, 15 years ago now it's, it's been a while, but I, you know, had a mission to, you know, really help people enjoy water. And, and it, like I said, all along to people and still say it today, it may sound crazy to people who really enjoy water, but Obviously, there's a lot of people that don't like the taste of water because they're drinking a lot of soda and, you know, the, the vitamin waters of the world that are sweetened. I mean, there's, there's lots of, you know, people that are like those categories wouldn't exist if people really enjoyed water. And so, but the reality is, is that our, you know, product gets people as close to water and helps people ultimately get healthier along the way. And so... You know, I never thought, okay, I'm going to go and launch a beverage company. It was always thinking about if I launch this beverage company, then I can actually follow a mission and and get people to enjoy health just as I had, you know, gotten, gotten healthier just by transitioning away from the sodas, the diet sodas that were out there. So I, I feel like, you know, that is such a powerful like nobody ever talked to me back 15 years ago about having, you know, a purpose-driven company or a mission-driven company. It just wasn't the language back then, but it was always my intention to do something that I felt like really had meaning and that I would be proud and, you know, that my family would be proud to sort of say that you're doing stuff that really will make a difference. And that's it's so inspiring to hear that too because you know just watching how you grew the company um you know when you first started hint did you have a business plan and did you know you were going to grow into you know sunscreens into sunblocks into like a wellness company or were you like you know what this is what i'm really passionate about i'm going to make this and then and then you figure out the silos then you're like okay this is going to be one silo this is going to be another silo and yeah I didn't even, you know, I, I didn't even think this was a company. I had sort of a mini business plan um, in the beginning, but I didn't, like, I really, I had worked for larger companies, AOL and CNN and others and um, in time. And I really uh, thought that a company had to have, like, it, it had to have lots of products and services and there has to be lots of departments. And so when I had this idea to start Hint, I, you know, I got it on the shelf at Whole Foods and my local Whole Foods in San Francisco. And, you know, friends were saying, that's so cool that you start a company. And I'm like, is it a company? It's not, I mean, it's not really a company. Like, it's kind of like this, like, now you call it a side hustle. Like, I just, I was just like, I don't know. Like, it's like a few products. Like, I mean, at the time we had like three or four flavors. Like, you know, I was like, I don't know. It's, it's like, I don't know. Like, I guess it's a company, but I, I was almost trying to like talk myself out of it and convert everybody around me to not thinking it was actually a company. And, and, um, and then, you know, then finally I got on board with, okay, it's a company. It's a tiny company, but it's, it's a company. And, um, you know, that was, that was really as far as I had gotten with it. We did, I didn't have any thoughts of it, you know, going into different categories only, you know, when I, gotten a tiny bout of, um, skin cancer on my nose. And, um, and I was looking for a better sunscreen. And after I had the spot removed, I finally, you know, started thinking, okay, well, why don't I wear sunscreen? And I didn't like like the mineral based sunscreens that were out there. They were, I mean, this was a few years ago, but I felt like they were all really thick and they would make me itch. And, then I started doing lots of research around mineral-based products and, you know, didn't like some of the research that I saw around mineral-based products. And finally, you know, I had sort of been, been um, kind of, what's the word? Um, I thought that like the word chemical was like really bad. Like it was like, and then one day I remember, I think my husband said to me, like, 
you know, all these chemical based sunscreens. And I, I, my husband was like, you know, water is a chemical. Like, and I was like, yeah, like that's true. And he was like, you just don't want the bad chemicals. Like you're, that's what, and I was like, yeah, well, why does everybody call it a chemical based sunscreen? And then I realized it's kind of the same story, you know, with hemp where I had been fooled by the word diet, you know, for years I'd been drinking diet Coke thinking I'm, I'm like super healthy because I drink diet. Right. And, and again, like, I think that it's just, you know, sort of my lesson learned. And a lot of what I speak about today is, you know, that like, I realized that I was this, you know, guinea pig for like all these words. And today, you know, you wouldn't, I mean, there's all these things that call themselves water. And, you know, I think, clearly the definition of water is it's not sweetened, right? Once it becomes sweetened, it becomes something else, right? What it's a drink, maybe it's a juice, right? Maybe it's a soda, but it's not a water. And so we allow these definitions to just kind of be right, including, you know, the word chemical. And so the story on the sunscreen was that once I'd sort of gotten over that hump, I really started doing a lot of research on the different ingredients in these sunscreens and decided, okay, I don't want these ingredients. I'm okay with these ingredients. And I want a smell that smells like my water. And so I added our fruit, like real fruit from the water to scent the sunscreen. And then a friend of mine who used to work for L'Oreal said to me, you know, by the way, you have to have FDA approval because all sunscreens have FDA approval. And, you know, I was like, oh, okay. So we put Hint in, like literally on the form just as a holding place, you know, for, for the application. And then, you know, they were like, oh, by the way, they called and they said, the FDA, and they said, by the way, is... Um, uh, are you using real fruit in your product? And I said, yeah, of course we are. We have this water. They've never heard of it. And, um, and then I learned that the fruit, um, you know, the smell in so many of these um, sunscreens is not real. And so they had to put our product through extended shelf life because they didn't want the fruit to go rancid. I didn't want the fruit to go rancid either. Um, but everybody uses fragrances and the fragrances be, you know, many of them are not vegan. Like there's lots of sort of like, there's a whole thing secrets in there. And so all of ours, um, all of our, you know, natural flavors, which were sort of forced under, you know, the food regulation and the sunscreen and personal care regulations to talk about is, um, is, uh, all plant-based. Um, we don't, you know, use like uh beaver anus glands and some of the other stuff that is just like ugh, like how nasty that we would like even consider putting these things and they're natural right and they're natural so as long as it says natural you're like oh okay and meanwhile like you're drinking yeah. <laughs> and again, maybe you enjoy beaver anus glands and, you know, I don't know, like, it's just at least like you should, I think consumers should know, right? About I, I, yeah. yeah, I think a lot of people don't know. And I hope this podcast also like maybe opens up, you know, the minds of a lot of people who don't know about this, about how, how companies can get away with using these terms to cover up things that we really should not be eating at all. And yeah. Or putting on our body too. I mean, that's, that's the thing. And, you know, and then, you know, we came out yeah. with our third category, which was, um, which was deodorant and, you know, it was a different story, but a similar story that, um, my dad had Alzheimer's 10 years ago and passed away. And I started really doing my research around Alzheimer's and, and the kind of consistent thread, there's no cure for Alzheimer's, but the consistent thread it, that many doctors talk about, especially if you have the gene for Alzheimer's, is aluminum. And so, um, and so I thought, okay, I am exposed to aluminum from cans or foil or, you know, and I'm not going to make myself crazy. Um, you know, I don't have a whole lot of that in my life. But then I realized that the antiperspirant that I was putting under my arms every day and encouraging my kids to use as well 
had aluminum in it. And I thought, gosh, like most consumers don't really know that. And they're trying to like live a really healthy life. And so then I looked at the options and these, you know, some call them natural, but better for you deodorants that are out there in the market. They're all, they all have a coconut base. And so I'm allergic to coconut and coconut is a class one allergen. So under Hint, um, you know, the water and the sunscreen, we've always talked about, um, you know, our products don't contain class one allergens. And a lot of people, again, don't know what that is, but there's a list and basically, you know, you could go into throat closure, anaphylactic shock. I mean, like from coconut, you know, um, peanuts, like, you know, there's a list. And so we don't have any of those things in our products. And I, I was like, I wish I could find a deodorant that was, you know, used better ingredients, but didn't use a coconut base. And I even went to a couple of them and I said, Hey, I'm the CEO of this like water company and sunscreen company. And, you know, it'd be super great if you guys would just like make this and no one would do it. So I'm like, Okay, here I go again. And so I, you know, made this. Why? Why? (laughs) And and so, you know, it was, it it was funny. We, Maria Shriver, who does, you know, such great work around um, Alzheimer's and she has an incredible group that is really focused on women's issues and Alzheimer's. We were um, a partner in her um, huge conference last October, November. Um, and, you know, she's, we really, she was interviewing me actually for the Today Show when we got on this whole topic of sort of what my why was. And um, anyway, it was just, it was really, like I said, this is, you know, something that I saw personally in my family. And I thought, you know, whether or not I have the gene or not, like, it's just probably not a great idea. I'm living the best life that I can live and I want to stay healthy. And, you know, it's just not, that's why the product was developed. And it's, I mean, it's a great product. It's, you know, full disclosure, we don't have it out in the market in many places. You can buy it on our website at drinkhint.com or on Amazon. Um, It's mostly online um, just because like you need different, sales forces and buyers and in order to reach those different departments and retail stores. But, um, but anyway, it's very, very, very good and exciting. So it is, you know, it's, um, I went organic and vegan when I was like 14, cause I realized everyone on my dad's side has cancer. Everyone on my mom's side is healthy, but like everybody on my dad's side had some, some different form of cancer. And I was like, why is it? Why is it? And I was like, what can I do to minimize everything? Like, what can I do? with my own intake. I can't control it. I might get it, but what can I do to set myself up for success down the road? Because that's all you can do. You know, you're like, okay, well, how do, how do I minimize, how do I minimize, um, whatever might happen? And, um, you know, like your new book is called Undaunted, Overcoming Doubts and, uh, Doubters. Um, it sounds like you overcame a lot in your life, not just doubts and doubters, you know, um, how did the idea for the book come around to you? Yeah. So I, I, I travel a lot with my work or up until, you know, COVID I was traveling quite a bit. I was spending a lot of time in New York and, and other places, but primarily New York and San Francisco, I was going back and forth between the two. And basically I, four years ago, I just, started writing and kind of journaling and sort of telling these stories. I, w- I was always, I was already like out speaking about hands and starting the company. And, you know, people would joke to me like, Oh, when's the book coming out? And I'm like, Oh, ha ha. And then, and then I thought, well, I have all this time in like, you know, hotels and airports and stuff where I should just start like typing and just keep, you know, talking about some of these stories that come in my head. And so after four years, I, um, you know, finally decided, okay, it's time. I need to like get this, this information into some sort of book format. And what I realized is that the theme really was, you know, as I mentioned earlier, it, it's a lot of building a company from scratch, but there's so many lessons learned in there. I didn't come from, you know, the, the beverage companies and, you know, didn't have that experience at all. So I was asking, you know, our 
manufacturers. Like why, why are things done this way? Why are things done this way? And many people like shut the door on those conversations, but many people were, were kind of like, Oh, I don't know why. Like, let's think about this. And they were like, Oh, this was a really interesting conversation. I learned too, because I never was asking these questions along the way. And so I feel like they're, um, you know, everybody in the beginning said, you're, this is going to, this company, you're a tech executive, you're not going to be able to go and start, you know, the largest flavored water company in, in the U.S. today, a private company, we don't have any money from Coke or Pepsi, like, there were a million reasons why we weren't supposed to do it. And I think, you know, I definitely had doubts along the way, but I think I just kept going with like, this is the journey. I want to keep learning. And, you know, as I mentioned earlier, I think customers along the way would tell me that, you know, you're really helping me. And we became the largest beverage in Silicon Valley at Google and Facebook. That all happened by accident. I was uh, interviewing for a role at Google early on. And, and, you know, a friend of mine was interested in having me join Google. And then, you know, when I finally told him I wanted to get this out of my system, I had started this company Hint. He was like, oh, wow, that's really interesting. I pulled a, a bottle of Hint out of my bag. And he said, you know, we're, we just started um, hiring chefs to come in and cook for us at Google, but I don't think we have any drinks. And I was like, oh, well, maybe we can get Hint in here. I had no idea what I was saying. But then, you know, then there's the, the stories of the micro kitchens and all of these, you know, tech firms. And, you know, we've become the largest beverage in Silicon Valley. And lots of people wanted to say like, oh, you know, it's, it, you built that business because you're so smart, you're fearless, all of these things. I'm like, no, I just do. Right? You just showed and up. I, you just showed up and you were there and you did. And I take opportunities and I go try. And, you know, I've been asked, like, did you think that, you know, this was going to fail along the way. And I said, no, I, I kept like listening for feedback. I kept coming up with different ideas. I, you know, kept hiring the right people who, you know, were, were, you know, really better at me than doing the individual like roles along the way. Like I wanted the best team, right. And, in, in the company in order to sort of like make this thing happen. And, but I felt like, you know, not only is, is it time to talk about, I mean, there's a million ways to sort of spin this. Not only is it time to talk about, you know, taking on the beverage industry and building a company from scratch, but the fact that I didn't have the right resume, I didn't, you know, in order to start it, um, we, I've raised lots of money as a female entrepreneur. We're profitable. Um, we've, um, you know, grown this to a place where, you know, we're doing things differently. We have over 50% of our business is direct to consumer. That was my life at AOL. And so I, you know, we saw it early as a possibility, um, six years ago. And so when COVID hit, you know, we were able to, you know, quickly just not even pivot, but really focus on something that we already had going because we knew that a lot of these stores were going to be closed down. We knew that a lot of the offices like Google, et cetera, were, were closing, were potentially going to close down. Who knew how long that they were ultimately going to close down, but there's, you know, lots of stories along the way where, you know, things, and, and so this is where the, the book is really also part autobiography and things, you know, that I learned, you know, as a kid, right along the way. So I bring some of these stories in, um, I had my first job when I was 14 years old, again, talking about like, you know, my brothers and sisters all had jobs. So, you know, I was like, my dad, I remember my dad saying to me, how'd you get a job when you were 14? I'm like, they never asked me how old I was. Like, and I guess I just acted older. Right. And I just said, I filled out the application and he's like, did they ask you like what your birthday was? And I was like, I told him June 20th. And he was like, so you didn't put the year. And I'm like, no, 
I don't, I don't know. They asked me what my birthday was. I didn't know I was supposed to, I mean, 14. I didn't know like, Oh, I'm supposed to like tell, tell my year. Right. And so we just like, uh, okay. Like, I, I don't know what to do, but, and so along the way, you know, that's what I say to people. Like, you don't always have to dot the I's and cross the T's for everybody. Maybe somewhere in there, I knew that they wanted, you know, the, the year that I was born, but so what? Like, it's fine. And it was a great job. And I ended up like almost being like the Tom Hanks of big, you know, I was buying toys and I was a kid. Right. And it was crazy. And it was funny story. And I thought, you know, why not just go try? And so that's the story too, about, you know, if you, you know, didn't know that you could fail, if you didn't know you know, that this wasn't going to work out. Like I've always viewed life as like, it, you know, things might not work out too, but I don't know. It'd be a great story if they didn't work out. Cause it's just seems like it'd just be, you know, a journey along the way. And I've, and I've always been the, the friend, um, you know, the executive where, when people think like, Oh, it's so dark. Like where, you know, what are we going to do at this point? I'm always like the person say, Oh, I don't know. Like just weather the storm, think about it, you know, in steps. So there's a lot of points in the book about that as well. Um, and then ultimately, you know, self-development too. I mean, things I've learned along the way, um, things like, you know, and I'm a huge believer when, you know, when you do have failure, when things don't go the way, you know, that you would hope that they go, like, that never lasts long, right? You just have to hope, like, that it, that the good starts coming sooner, rather than later, right? And so, thing, lessons like that, I think, especially coming out of COVID, people really need to hear that. They do, and you know what, whatever your path is, you're going to get back on it. You just might be off the path for a little bit, but life is going to find a way. If you have the same intention in your heart, if you have the same drive, it's, it's your destiny. I was talking to Rebecca King Cruz on my podcast and she talked about her life and how she does music. And then she had, she had kids and she's like, my music just went on hold. And I was like, Oh my gosh, who am I? Like my music is on hold. I'm, I'm a mother, but I'm a musician. But she's like, but now I'm doing music. And like, you come back to wherever you're supposed to be. It might not be at the time that you want it to, but like, just just keep your eye on the goal. Yeah, And totally. enjoy every moment and like, and ju- just stay undaunted. <laughs> yeah. Well, and also your goals may change. And so that's, yes. there's, you know, a few different, uh, there's a few different stories in there along the way where you, you know, especially when you are, doing things that kind of scare you. I think like the most important thing is just to be aware right along the way. And, and I have a podcast, uh, called unstoppable and I interviewed, uh, this, this founder, this entrepreneur, Eugene Rem, who founded rumble fitness and, you know, right in the middle of COVID gyms are all shut down. I mean, it just like his life changed dramatically. And, you know, he talks about, you know, this idea of awareness and also, you know, the older you get and the more scary situations you've been through too, you're able to sort of like look back on those situations and say, what did you learn? And so he talked about how prior to owning gyms and restaurants, he owned nightclubs during 2009. And like he did everything. I mean, that was during the financial crisis. And he did everything and kept the gym, I mean, kept the nightclubs open, he said, way too long. And what he should have done and what, you know, sort of forced him to react pretty quickly in, in terms of, you know, laying off staff and other stuff for, for, for um, Rumble was based on that time. Like he said, my audience was all Wall Street people. That's who was going to the clubs in New York. And he was like, and they weren't coming back anytime soon. So like, here I am paying all, paying all this money in overhead and like, it wasn't going to be happening. And he said, so I take these lessons and, and to my next journey, you know, 11, 12, 11, 11 or 12 years later. And, you know, and that's another thing that I talk about, like, you know, we're, we're all on our own journey 
right? And nobody can really describe or change like your viewpoints, right? Along the way, based on what you've experienced, right? And instead, you know, you just have to be really aware and, you know, be open to trying new things. Um, also be open to sort of talking about like why you think the way that you think too. I think that's like a whole other conversation. So, um, so anyway, that's, that's, that's such a, that's such a huge other conversation too. Cause yeah. I also feel like what we can think about is getting narrower and narrower. So yeah. it's like, how do we, how do we not like scream over each other and how do we actually have conversations? I mean, like that's, that's a whole entire other podcast. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. So it's, it's, um, it's really, yeah. And I mean, that's, that's what I do on, on Unstoppable. I'm really interviewing, you know, these, not just founders, oftentimes leaders where I'm asking them, you know, these kind of harder questions. Like, it's like, I mean, in the case, I'll just pick on, you know, Eugene again. I mean, his life was dramatically different at the end of January and, you know, he came on the podcast in late March, early April, and you know, it was bad, right? Like all his revenue gone, poof. Like he had no way of like sort of seeing that that kind of stuff would happen. And so what he, but what he knew was that he had to react quickly. He's a Russian immigrant. I'm um, a Russian immigrant. <laughs> you should totally listen to this podcast because you, check would it really, out. you would really appreciate you know, I've had so many people who have said like, ah, he like, you know, and also, you know, I said to him afterwards, and I think it, it's actually on the podcast, but I was like, hey, if you want to like edit any of this out, and he said, no, that's how I get better. Yeah. Right. Because I'm scared. And he was like, I'm scared as a business owner, right? Like what happens when do gyms open? When they do open, you know, like, I mean, I'm boxing. Like, how does that work? Like, how am I going to be able to have these audiences, you know, come in and sort of trust that by coming to my brand that everything's going to be fine? And, I, and you know, and he was like, no, I want to come back and I want to listen in a year from now and I want to see where my head was and if I was right because I'm not done. Like, I'm, you know, I'm here and I'm watching. But that's what... That is exactly what helps all of us grow, right? Is to learn what we do wrong. And maybe those dreams ultimately, you know, don't end up to be what we thought they were because of things that were out of our control. But, you know, the next one will come because we learned so much. And yeah, or it turns into something else completely from you. Totally, right. And so many stories like that along the way. So anyway, it's super fun. I love it. I have a question from a LinkedIn um, person, a person on LinkedIn. Her name is Estefania Feliz. She's asking, what advice can you give to female entrepreneurs that are wondering how to open a business? I mean, we kind of covered it, right? Yeah, I mean... I think that the first thing is, you know, one of my favorite authors is a guy named Adam Grant. And if you haven't read his book on entrepreneurship, um, it's, uh, you know, it really, it's called the originals and the originals is really about, um, yeah, it's great. And it's really, it tells the story of, you know, you can't, it's not entrepreneurship is not, you know, one shoe fits all or one size fits all. It's really, you know, comes in different formats. And so, you know, he talks about the guys that started Warby Parker and how they were students of his at U at UPenn. UPenn, and, yep. Yeah. And so they had said that they were um, you know, they wanted to start this company, but they and, you know, it was Warby Parker, but basically they didn't want to quit their jobs because and he didn't think like they were true entrepreneurs because they were like, they were not going to quit his job and or their job. And they were like actually being smart, like about not quitting their job so that they could, you know, start this company. But also if it didn't work, you know, they wanted to get traction before they basically were without money. And so he talks about in the originals, how, 
it's just like, it's one way of doing it. There's other people that are saying, you know, other ways of doing it, but it's a great book that talks about all these different ways of doing it. And Adam was so funny. He was after I met him shortly after that book came out and I told him how much I loved it. He was like, I, now that I know your story of Hint, he was like, I wish I would have known you, before, you know, in starting the company because you didn't have experience. You, you know, came from a personal interest, et cetera. But, but I think, you know, no matter what the business is, I mean, it's a little tough for me to say just based on, you know, starting a company, but I think it's, it's something that resonates with you because entrepreneurship is so hard, right? And it's like, as I always say, there's a lot of easier, a lot easier ways to make money than actually be an entrepreneur. And so, and you know, lots of hours, all, all of those things. It's, you know, lonely, you know, being an entrepreneur at times because you're not going to have a big team initially while you're, you know, getting all of these things out. So you're, in my case, I was making the product, delivering the cases. I had four kids under the age of six. I mean, there were like a lot of stuff like going on. And so I think you just have to really believe, right? And, and, you know, for me, I've always been an entrepreneur that, you know, want, like I said, I lead with help, right? I, if I can help people, um, that for me is gold, right? Like I, I feel like that's the kind of thing. So I can't imagine, but other entrepreneurs have done this successfully. I personally can't imagine starting a company that didn't have purpose. I didn't really like, like, and my purpose for my company is health, right? And so, but I think, you know, that for me, just because of the hours and the low pay and, you know, and all of those, you know, like the ups and the downs, like the, the, uh, the I would need to be able to have something that really has some kind of purpose. Yeah, I think purpose gets you up in the morning, right? Totally. Right. And it doesn't have to be other people's purposes, right? Like that's, that's another thing that I talk about and I'm daunted and is in my book. It's like, you know, I think that when I decided to move to New York right out of college, I was living in Arizona and, you know, I said, to, I really liked finance and I was a journalism major with a minor in finance and I loved finance and none of my friends were in finance. Like, and I just said, like, it was really hard for me in the beginning of college. And then I, it just clicked and I loved it. And I loved, you know, like I, I remember taking a, you know, bond trading class and I was just like, oh, this is fascinating. Like, it's just like, it was a whole new world that I just didn't even know existed. So I thought if I can actually, you know, go and get a job at fortune magazine, and my friends were like, oh, how are you going to do that? And I'm like, I, I don't know. Like, I'm going to just move to New York and I'm going to figure out how to make that happen. But again, like if I would have listened to what all my friends were saying, then, you know, I probably wouldn't have done it. Like, I just thought it'd be like, it'll be a great story. Like, nope, that never happened. But I did do this. And, and so that's, you know, that's sort of the biggest thing that I think is, is really critical is forge your own path. So now that you've built this indie empire, what is your dream as an adult? You know, I continue, I think it's the same from a business perspective, like to, you know, continue to help people. Like I think it's being realized a lot more. Um, you know, it's, it's rare, frankly, that the founder is still at the company 15 years later. I mean, it's, it's, um, but I still love what I'm doing. And again, I still get feedback from consumers saying like, Oh, it's really great. Like you're, you're really helping me. So, um, so that's exciting. And then, you know, personally, I feel like also just helping, you know, my kids who are now all, you know, adults at almost adults, my youngest is 15, like helping them find their purpose and what they ultimately want to do. And they're all four really different people. And, you know, and I think as I've shared with them, as I've shared, you know, throughout this, this hour is, is just, you know, finding something that you like to get up and do every day is, um, is not what most people do. 
right? Like they, they, unfortunately, you know, I think that's what makes people not feel the way that they want to feel ultimately, because if you're spending so many hours doing something that just really doesn't like float your boat, right? It's just, you know, they were told that they should go become an attorney, right? And then they don't really want to do that. And, you know, and I think it's, it's just, you know, I'm a huge believer that we all have our life and our, our journey. And, you know, we need to sort of, you know, be a little selfish about it and go and figure out. And so I think like that for me is, you know, my dream that I can sort of pass that on, you know, to my kids and also that, that they're happy, right? Like, I think we live in a time, you know, out even outside of COVID where it's just, you know, life gets more stressful, right? And, and it's, and, you know, growing up as a kid in that is just, is also, you know, important and it's, you, they hear it, they feel it. And so I think it's, it's something that, you know, I just really want, you know, my family to, to be happy, right. More than anything and, and not feel like they're not allowed to sort of be the people that they want to be, you know, and that they take the time to find their passion and, you know, and, and so I think that that's just a really important piece for me and, and really just a dream for me. And I love how this also bookends because happiness goes back to wellness. If you're not, if you're not happy, you're going to be drinking, you're going to be doing destructive things. And if you're not living in purpose, if you're not living in your flow, you know, I think that's where a lot of people end up focusing their energy because they don't really have anything else to focus it on. So they, they have a hole and then they fill that hole with, with things like soda and, and sugar and, and that's the thing that, you know, I always say too, that if you're living undaunted, right, you're going and trying, going back, really bookending back to the book, like you're, I mean, that is really like the thing that I think so many people have gotten out of this book that it's, it, it doesn't matter sort of what your, you know, career is, whether you're, you know, or you're a student and you're trying to do, I think it's like, it's got a lot of, you know, drive in there to say like, you know, if you actually put stakes in the ground and say, like, this is what I'm going to go do, it's amazing how many people will accept it versus like, you know, you just saying, well, I don't know if I can do that. The minute that you raise doubt, you know, forget about your own little voice inside your head. Like, but if you start raising doubt around you to say that I'm not going to do it or, or maybe I shouldn't do it, then, you know, you'll have lots of people who will join you. Instead, you say, like, I'm going to just go do this and go try this. Then, you know, it's amazing, you know, how inspiring you'll be to yourself, right? That you went and tried something and like the number, I mean, the the best people that I meet today, I, I was just telling the story earlier, are the ones that I'm interviewing who actually talk to me about, you know, things that didn't go right right along the way, like, well, I moved to, you know, I moved to Park City and I thought it was going to be, I thought it was going to be skiing every day. And then, and then like, I ended up not skiing because it was too hard to get to the mountain, right? Like it's just, and then they learn all these things, like, I'm like, you know, about themselves. And that's what I tell people, like, you know, it's like, you just go try things too. And then, you know, and maybe, maybe moving to a different city isn't the thing that you should do. But if you have this bug in your head that you just keep coming back to, like, you know, I got to go do this. I got to go do this, whatever, then why not? Like what's stopping you from doing it? So that's, that's a lot of, you know, how I think about life. And hopefully after reading Undaunted, I think a lot of people will get that feeling as well. Well, I can't wait. Uh, to read it when it comes out and uh, I'll definitely share it and uh, I'm super excited they also wrote the book too because I think a lot of people need to hear it thank you no I appreciate it yeah it's in pre-sale now if you go to drinkkit.com I think they're actually for the pre-sale they're doing um you get a free case (laughs) yeah a case of hint in addition to the book or you can also go on Amazon and buy buy it as well 
Um, but it's pretty exciting. Awesome. Uh, thank you so much for being on the yeah, podcast. I super appreciate it. Keep in touch. I'm super excited for your water efforts because honestly, Kara, if anybody can do it, it's you. You're, you're the water woman. Oh, you're so, awesome. So, thank you. So, well, thanks for having me. Yeah. Thank you so much for making time in your day for um, speaking with me. And uh, please keep in touch. And if I can help you in any way, people connections, who knows? It's a small world. Let me know. Yay. Okay, great. We'll have a cool. good rest of the week. Okay, thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks for tuning into the show. I hope you enjoyed it. Please share on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Dream Nation Love. It's not Dream Nation Podcast. It's Dream Nation Love because I think my single mission in life is to teach people how to love a little bit more. And together we can save the world. So it's Dream Nation Love. Share it with your friends. Have a great day and go out and make the world a better place.